I am Doug Friedman. And I am Meredith Levy. And this is your Mental Breakdown. The podcast. Oh, yeah. We're back. Hi, Mare. Hi. We are back. It's been... So long. It's been a long time. I mean, (laughs) not a long time since you and I have spoken, but since we've had mics in front of us and... I don't know. I, can I say like, I, I, I miss this. I miss, I miss, I miss everybody. I know. I know. I miss doing this too. I don't really see them, but I miss them. A hundred percent. Plus just the fun of doing it all. That's true. It is fun. It's work and it's fun. It's both those things. As it should be. Right. Fill us in. What have you, what have you been doing the last couple months? Well, <laughs> I had two weeks where... One day each week, I went to the office for a few hours and then... To see clients? Yeah. And then it shut back down again. Two weeks where we didn't have to wear masks inside. So that was fun. Right. So that that was some excitement. What else? My nephew turned 16, got his driver's license. So everyone should probably stay off the road for a little while. (laughs) (laughs) At least in LA, in the greater Los Angeles area. Be careful out there. Totally. Actually, you know, that during the whole past year of the pandemic, it was not, I mean, I was in Colorado for a lot of it, but being in LA, traffic was lighter, yet people were driving so much more aggressively and so much faster. And yep, there were more accidents. It was crazy. Yeah. And then traffic was back. <laughs> traffic is now back with a vengeance. Oh, it's been back. Yeah. It's been back. It's been the summer of traffic. You know what? It's just fine, but it hasn't been the summer of travel for me. So I'd really wish it had been, or I'm sure it will be soon. I hope so. I, I mean, sure. I would love to be traveling. Actually, I'm glad to just be home now. I've been without home for a year yeah. and I've got a new home. So I'm in a home. So that's nice. So exciting. Dougie got a new home. Right. I just want to kind of be here and settle in. I'm still in boxes and everywhere and Stuff isn't, I, I don't even know where my kitchen is. Well, I know where my kitchen is, but yeah, kitchen stuff, I, I, I don't have any. I'm still living out of the stuff that I've lived in for the last year. Like <laughs> you've seen all my t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what excuse I have. I have more clothes than I could ever need. And you see in all my t-shirts too, because I only wear like the same three. So right, right. Overalls are my friend now. <laughs> That's right. You were rocking the the overall a couple times. Actually, you were. Yeah. I saw you two days in a row, and you were wearing overalls both days. Yep. That's uh, called COVID body. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's a step up from sweatpants. Yeah, I I think it is. Are overalls a step up from sweatpants, or are they not? Yes, they are. But you guys, let us know what you think. <laughs> <laughs> Versus the the onesie, the union suit. Yeah, but that's that's for sleep, isn't it? Right. But that's sort of <laughs> pandemic chic, right? Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> pandemic chic. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so no travel for you over the summer. No. It's too hot to travel. It's hot as fuck right now, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah, it was eighty over here today, which means what is what was it over there? Oh, we hit triple digits. Oof. Doug and I only really live like, I don't know, without traffic, what, 30 minutes? Yeah, 30 minutes. 30 minutes without traffic, but there's a least 20 degree difference. (laughs) 
Hang on, let's see if this works. Hey Siri, what's the temperature right now? It's about 102 degrees outside. <gasps> oh my God. That's yep. amazing. Well, you guys all know that now. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's pretty much hot everywhere. Well, the difference is you live by the ocean. I live by the mountains. Right. So 20 degrees, a good 20 degrees cooler where you are. Well, right now, let's see. Right now it's... Well, right now I'm inside with the air conditioner. No, but going. yours is 102 right now, right? Oh, mine is still, mine's 84. Yeah. Wow. It said it was a high of 93. 84. Okay. So only 18 degrees. Jiminy crickets. Wow. Yeah. So what, it's um, Labor Day weekend this weekend? Labor Day weekend. We just had our Labor Day weekend. We just had our labor. Yep. Dia de labor. La Really? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why that's so funny. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Do you want to tell them my other joke that I made up? No, <laughs> don't think so. <laughs> the inappropriate joke. Uh, that that's that'll be bonus content. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be on the Patreon. Exactly. Ooh, yeah, we've got a Patreon going. Almost, almost going. Yeah. Almost up. Soon. I'm excited about that. Oh my God. There's so many exciting things. We have the, our, the new client that you're going to hear. We have our, all of our merch coming out, Patreon. Yes, that's right. Oh, right. Speaking of like not having enough clothes to wear, you're about to have a lot more clothes you can wear. I know. I get all of it. I get all the clothes. That's cool. Yeah. I know. I'm really excited. I'm into the beanie cap. I think that's my favorite item. I think my favorite is the well, the tank top, tank top, baseball hat. Yeah, you like the tank. Yeah. You guys will see. Get excited. You guys will see soon. I don't think the store is up and live yet. Very, very, very soon. In other news. Yes. I replanted my entire garden. It's basically failed again, but I did grow cucumbers, which is crazy because I <laughs> ate them. They're not, a, they're not amazing by any means, but they are an actual cucumber that you can eat. They were big. They were, right? I saw your cucumbers. Yeah. I was at your place yep. and those were two very large. Right. One was pretty thin, but the other was pretty decent, had good girth. Good girth. <laughs> and also green beans, but it sounds like it's thriving, but, but then when you see it, you realize like, it's just, they're just dying off and not in a way that like, huh. oh, they're going to rebloom in a way that's like, well, this is fucked. I have to pull this. <laughs> this is like the fifth time I've done it. Like there's some success and then it just all goes to shit and I don't care anymore. So Aww. see what happens. I know. Really? You were so into it though. I love it. I do love it. But I'm like, why every time I literally had a professional garden consultant come. garden -er? No, like a consultant, like, like a vegetable garden. consultant. Yes, yes. Come to my house and tell me and help me and look at the soil and blah, blah, blah. And I did it all, everything. And then next thing I know, the little fucking bugs are eating everything. And then I did everything I'm supposed to do to get rid of them. And I'm like, you know what? Suck it. <laughs> Suck it. Right. Yeah. I, I think I told you this, although it's months ago. So you probably forgot. I saw a, a clip of somebody that was like holding essentially like a cucumber and it was like after seven months of, of hard work and countless hours and laboring and looking up stuff and digging and planting and money and in time and investment, look what I got that I could have bought at the supermarket for 79 cents. <laughs> <laughs> it is so true. It is right? so true. Yes. 
But if you are decent at it, then yeah. Sure. I've had friends that were like, oh yeah, I just made that salad with everything in my garden that I planted and that I grew myself. Like, that's amazing. Can I have some more? Um, yeah. in maybe four months. Right. A hundred percent. Can you get it all right. of it at a bunch of it at once? You can't eat it all. And then you don't have any for a long time. So, you know what? It really is about the fun of gardening. Is it fun for you? Sometimes, especially in the beginning, every morning I go out to see if it's grown. It is fun. Like I will admit, like even in the early days when you would be like, look, look, look. And you'd show me like a close, like that was cool. And even I remember my old place, I'd gotten citrus trees and like seeing like a little like green marble. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be a lemon or a lime or whatever. Yeah. Like, that's going to be amazing. And then you watch it grow and it's, it's great. And that's, <laughs> watch me go meta for a second here. And that's kind of what we do with the podcast. Like you, yes. you're seeing like a little, a little tiny green marble in this new client. And over time you get to see them grow and ripen and be this wonderful, spectacular, bitter lemon. Wait, that didn't work. <laughs> and Doug has a green thumb. So unlike, thank God you're the one I using do not. Your, in this analogy you do. Oh, wait a second. Hold on. Hold on. Time out. Are you going not literal? You just, yes, because you just made a whole thing about the fucking lemon and the podcast and the client. I made a whole thing. I make a whole thing about everything. When I, when I was doing the ski trail analogy a year ago and talking about that, I was talking about skiing that out of bounds. That was confusing. It was confusing. Okay. So you can, you can switch literal to metaphoric as it, as it suits you, but yeah. Here and there. Uh -huh. Rarely. Yes. All right. So you have a green thumb. Yes. Metaphorically, I have a green thumb. Yes. Literally. I do not. I cannot keep a, a plant alive. Apparently I cannot either. Even the plastic ones wilt on me. Ah, funny. <laughs> All right. So, so gardening fail. Mm. Um, what about tennis? You still playing tennis? Yes. I'm going to play today. Actually, when we're done playing tennis, mm -hmm. took a break for a few months though. So just getting back into it. What's your take on pickleball? I feel like pickleball is taking over the nation. I've never played it. I think I've seen a picture of it. It looks like, I don't know, a version for tired people of tennis, maybe. <laughs> I feel like, right? Don't you have to like not run as far or I, I don't actually really know what it is. Right. I think it's a little less running around. You play with, I think, a dead tennis ball. Oh, I thought you played with a wiffle ball. Oh, you can play with a wiffle ball too. Maybe I'm thinking of paddle tennis. You're playing, thinking of paddle tennis. There's paddle tennis and pickleball. One of them is a wiffle ball. One of them is a dead, a dead tennis ball. I think that's paddle tennis. Okay. But they both have paddles, not rackets. And I don't know. And the court is smaller. It's slightly okay. smaller. Well, I'm going to look it up yeah. now. Oh, you're going to Google it now. Pickleball. Yeah. I'm sorry. But uh -huh. um, the other thing that they have where I play is this lawn of like where they, people play bocce ball. And it's like, no joke, man. I go up there and it's like a party. People with red solo cups, like oh, yeah. much, much older people, kids like mute. Like it's a, it's no joke. Yeah. The bocce ball, the lawn bowling. Have you seen that too? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I remember lawn bowling, well, but. Lawn bowling is different. Cause you're, you're, I mean, bocce ball is all about, you throw the one ball out and then it's all about how close can you get to that ball? Right. Right. Lawn bowling, I think, is slightly different. My guess is it would be like bowling, where you're just trying to knock things down. Oh, yeah, in a lawn, on a lawn. Okay, pickleball, huh. 
It says it combines many elements of tennis, badminton, and ping pong. Interesting. Does it say if it's a wiffle ball or a tennis ball? A paddle with a pla- and a plastic ball with holes. Yeah, that's a wiffle ball. That is interesting. It even talks about what to wear while playing. <laughs> Proper pickleball attire. Thank you, usapickleball.org. Right? It, yeah. It's the new polo. <laughs> <laughs> Polo's fancy. <laughs> oh, man. Wiffle balls, though. I grew up playing wiffle ball. Me and Nathaniel would play in backyards and like, I mean, not on an actual baseball diamond, even though they do that now, there's professional wiffle ball like leagues, which are insane because there's certain balls that you can get that curve like gnarly, gnarly curves. And these pitchers that if you watch any of these clips, they're throwing it and it looks like it's going way over there. And then it just curves right back in for a strike. It's ridiculous. No way. Yeah. Playing as a kid, we, we couldn't really throw curves, but it was me and my best friend throwing as hard as we could to try to strike each other out and the others just trying to hit a home run. And I, I swear I threw my elbow and shoulder out so many times as a kid just trying to strike him out. <laughs> I can imagine because the aerodynamics of it must be difficult. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough sport. <laughs> Hear that. You know what else is a tough sport? Badminton. Motherfucker. It's got bad right in the title. <laughs> That's the one where you, you can't let it hit the ground, right? Yeah, like any, oh, I guess tennis you can. I was going to say any <laughs> net sport. Well, I was thinking volleyball, <laughs> similar, yeah. Volleyball, yeah, that's right. Yeah, like volleyball, badminton, that's right. That's the same family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Are we being really boring right now, Doug? Yeah. <laughs> okay. We are, right? <laughs> we are. <laughs> what? <laughs> Speaking of being really boring, you know what's not really boring? <laughs> what, Doug? <laughs> well, we've got we've got new client, like you said. Sarah, I'm excited about this client. I can't say too much because I've been working with her for a little while now, but you guys are about to hear her for the very first time. And there's some of her story comes out over time. You'll hear. I, I feel like I don't even want to tease anything, but I will say, should I say? Should I give them a little background on her so they're not going in totally blind? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. She's, what's her name? Sarah, right? She's a, a mom. Her name, as far as you guys are concerned, is Sarah. <laughs> yeah. But again, I mean, for people just tuning in, that's not her real name. What you are about to hear is a client session, me in a therapy session with Sarah. She is in her early 40s, has two kids, She'll tell you about that. Uh, she'll tell you about some of her life experience as it rolls out. Don't really want to tease much yeah. of her life experience. But what she did come to me with on the phone was, I'm having some panic and anxiety. I think you can really help me. She's heard the podcast before, so she was very willing to to be recorded and, and do it that way. And she kind of had a sense of my style and was like, I think you could really help me. Like I've looked at some of my trauma from the past, but I really want to like really get a handle on some things now. And, and I want to understand where some things come from, but I really want to like tangibly work on them right now. So you guys will hear how we kind of tangibly work on these things and what gets revealed over time. We'll, we'll walk through that with her. We'll walk through that with you guys. Meredith and I will be back. After you listen to the episode, we will be breaking it down, talking about the actual session, things that I noticed, or maybe I would have done differently. 
things that stood out to me, funny, funny things that Doug said, the usual. <laughs> yeah. You loyal listeners, welcome back. Missed you guys. I really did. Right. It feels weird to say that I don't know them, but they know us and I feel like we know them. I feel like we know our community a little bit. Yeah, totally. And so you guys that have been with us know this well, you guys that haven't, Meredith and I are both licensed psychotherapists. Important to know, we are not your psychotherapists. So anything we say on here is just us chatting. It's here for your entertainment. Me in the session, I'm not there to entertain you. I'm there to work with my client. So you get to, to see what that really sounds like. Here a real session, which is a really rare and exciting opportunity. So right. stick around, listen to it, and then we'll be back. Indeed we will. Bye. Bye. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with why, why we're here. If it was up to me, I would have therapy all the time. Ever since I was like 15 years old, I made this sort of pact with myself that I would learn one new thing every day, no matter what. Hmm. The only way to be better is to learn from what's around you and, and what you can have access to. I have yeah. only had real more than, let's say, a month therapy sessions after some kind of big life events. So what happened this time around was I had a really rough three-year divorce. Mm. It ended about five years ago. And by rough, I mean awful. My ex-husband mm. is a mentally and verbally abusive person. Well, we were together for 10 years. Mm. We got married after right before we had our second child. His cracks only really started showing when we had babies. All of a sudden mm. there was messes and crying and he's an adopted only child in a fairly wealthy family. Everything has always been about him. And so mm. all of a sudden it was no longer only about him. Sure. And I come from a huge family. I have 10 brothers and sisters. So I am like defaulted to be a sort of caretaker mother. Like it's just in me. He couldn't handle it or something. I mean, mm. as it went on, it got to a point where he started getting physically violent. And that's mm. when I was like, okay, no, I'm done with this. Took the kids and I left. And wow. from there, it just became a nightmare. It was a very hard, rough time for me and for my kids. How old were they when you left with them? So they were four and five. And at the time I was a stay-at-home mom too. I didn't have any solo income. He would grab my neck and like push me up on the wall and like punch the wall next to me. There was like holes in all of our walls. And I would ask him so many times, you know, please, can we go get counseling? Can you go to maybe some anger management? And he would say, yeah, 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 yeah. Sign up for everything. I promise I'm going to do it. And then he just wouldn't do it. And this became a cycle. And once the violence started towards the kids, I was like, I'm out. What I'm struck by as you're saying this is sometimes we do this, especially when we've gone through something traumatic is we just recount it. And it sounds very clinical as we say it. Mm -hmm. Yep. What you're talking about is 
incredibly traumatic. And, you know, if you have that mama bear in you, if they're four and five, you're going to protect them and think of them and not necessarily think of yourself. There was, as you said, a progression. It wasn't like he became physically abusive right off the bat. I saw patterns of anger in him that I didn't like necessarily, but I also have this thing in me that I'm a fixer. I always feel like, you know what? I'm so calm and I'm so happy that it has to rub off on him at some point. What was your support system? Because I I mean, you strike me as somebody that can be mama bear and will just take care. And, you know, like you said, you're a fixer. So you'll fix, you'll, you'll do things. Okay. What was your support? Me. <laughs> it was just me. No support. My support was I'm taking care of my kids. I'm getting the fuck out of there. Yep. I'm going to keep us safe and I'm doing this and I'm going to keep moving forward. Yes. We started the divorce with an agreement that we were going to be good, responsible parents and do what was best for our children, agree, go to mediation and just figure everything out there. And we were doing great for like three months. We were doing great. One day to the next, I have a phone call and it's his lawyers. We hadn't even agreed to get lawyers. We were just doing it together. He was taking me to court and trying to get full custody of the kids. When someone is threatening to take your children from you, especially, and I'm not saying it's just me, but especially a mother like me who is very involved with their children and to have the threat of someone being able to just take them from me was just traumatizing, I think is the right word. I mean, I just, I got to a point where I was probably a hundred pounds. I was not sleeping. I was just always shaking. And then of course, every time I was with the kids, you know, big smile on my face, trying to make it look like nothing was going on, that there was no problem whatsoever. It's really, really difficult. Yeah, incredibly. And maybe now in retrospect, you might have some appreciation for it, but at the time you can't, you don't. Everything else goes on hold while you take care of this. I still had to stand up in front of the whole class and be my usual, you know, Mm -hmm. happy self. And I have practice with that, but never to this extreme because prior to this issues and and terrible things that have happened to me in my life happened to me, but never something to the effect of where this is going to affect my children. If I don't handle this correctly, it's for sure a lot to handle. And three years, three years of this just nonsense. And because he had all the money he got his fancy lawyers and I couldn't even afford a lawyer. I could barely afford our little two bedroom apartment and food. Cause I, like I said, I had no income when I left. Yeah. So that was, that was the whole thing. Uh, this isn't tip of iceberg or a tip of an iceberg of yes. many <laughs> in your life. Exactly. And, and already what I can hear there wasn't a lot of support for you at all. That probably goes back to a me against the world feeling. And when it's me against the world, fine, I can take it. And the world can throw whatever on me, I can take it. But when it's your 
kids who have, in a sense, become your world and you're responsible for, if it's affecting them, it's not just you. You can't take on the pain for them. They're going to feel it. You can't take on the fear for them. They're going to feel it. So it makes it so hard and exhausting. And then you have it being contentious and prolonged. He just didn't want to pay child support. Really, literally, that was his reason. And obviously he wanted me to be sad and upset because that's his, that's his life tool, mind game. So why I decided I needed to go back to therapy was actually because recently, about six months ago, our son, who is now, well, he just turned 14, but he was still 13. He snuck out of the house at night when I was sleeping, popped open his window, called himself an Uber (laughs) and went to smoke weed with his friends. Obviously no good. 100% need to be disciplined. So being a co-parent, I called my ex-husband, explained to him the situation. I said, we need to discuss what his punishments are at both households. We had a great talk. By that evening, he was telling me that he was going to serve me again with papers to take the kids away from me, saying that I was an unfit mother and that the kids were in imminent danger if they ever were around me. So all panic mode, lights flashing, literally reliving the three years of my divorce and anxiety. I mean, it was terrible, terrible two days. Got to a point where I was having massive panic attacks. I I wasn't able to breathe. I was bursting into tears and in the middle of work, like my friend at work had to like bring me outside so I could, you know, catch my breath and stop crying and stuff. And that's never happened to me before. I see that there's a big trigger there and anxiety. Anxiety I have, I think I've had it in various forms my entire life. None of them so much that I can't function, which is what happened. So of course the judge threw it out. There was no basis. It was just a load of hogwash, which is his, that's just what he does, right? Instead of saying, this is so great that we can be a parenting team and work together to help our son learn a valuable lesson. He's being a teenager and he made a bad decision, but instead of just coming together to figure out how we are going to help our teenager learn. Instead, taking you to court. When it's happening, it's so intense. Oh, yeah. Now I think about it and I laugh. But at the time, I mean, I wasn't, again, same thing. I'm not sleeping. I'm not eating. I'm putting this big fake smile on my face when the kids are around. It's a lot. Pause for a second. Yeah. When you say it's a lot, what does that mean? (laughs) It means, what do I mean by that? I mean, I've learned over different things that have happened to me in my life, a game face. I've learned, uh, suck it up and get on with it. And I can do that. But this whole thing, the anxiety surrounding my children, I just don't have a handle on it. Or maybe I do, but it doesn't feel like I do. I feel it. And having a handle on it is what you just described. I can suck it up. I can move forward. I can do this. You can, and you have for a lot of your life, through a lot of your marriage, through a lot of your motherhood, 
we haven't even talked about your childhood. Nope. That's, that's a whole other <laughs> chapter that, I mean, you told me a little bit already. So I, I know, mm-hmm. I mean, we literally haven't talked about it. You, you, all you said to me was, yeah, I, I grew up in a cult. Yep. Okay. <laughs> that's a whole different suitcase. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That has its own handle. I'm also thinking there may be some tie-ins to what we have not talked about and what you do not know about me from my childhood to the extreme anxiety triggers that I have. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I've known you for half an hour. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I don't have you all figured out yet. You don't have you all figured out yet. That, that's part of what we're walking I through. I can tell that putting a handle on it, getting a handle on it, I don't want a handle on it. I, I want to open up the suitcases and start unpacking it because you are carrying a ton of fucking weight around with you. Yes. I don't want to handle, I don't want to backpack. If anything, we got to take some of this off for a second. We got to take a, a breath. In some sense, we need to recognize it's a lot, what that actually means for you. I think that when I have a an emotion or a bodily reaction that is completely out of my control, that's in, like, there's a problem now. Like, that's not something I can just get a handle on, if that makes sense. Get past. Yeah, I, it does. That's where I'm going to start at, because it was a involuntary, uncontrollable... <sighs> I mean, it was just so strange. I was seeing, like, white spots. I couldn't breathe. When I get anxiety, it feels like everything gets big. It's like everything is all around and crazy and I can't, maybe it's a control thing. And then as I bring myself to calm, everything feels like it's coming back into focus or manageability. I think of that as, as being contained. When I'm contained, cool, I've got a handle on it. I can take it. I can deal yes, with it. I can handle it, even if it's not great. Yes. Right. But- if something disrupts that and that container that has held me and the a lot that I've taken on, if that's now opened and I'm not contained, it's not only big, but it's all around me. It's all encompassing. It's everywhere. I can't get away from it. I can't. I can't. It's exactly how I've, <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I'm surprised you're not using a ton of drugs to get away from it. <laughs> You know, and I say that because a, a lot of people, when it is that experience of it, it's just too much. It's a lot. I can't take it. Mm-hmm. They can't. They don't have containers. They don't have suitcases with handles. So they reach for whatever they can. It's a, it's a mechanism we use to cope, to get through. And I'm, I'm actually, I'm not glad you went through this, but I'm glad you recognized, wait a second. This is involuntary. There's something going on. Let's get to it. And what you said to me on the phone when we first talked is, yeah, I've had therapy before. I love therapy, but I've usually gone to therapy to help me get through something that has happened. I want to get into and through what has happened, not just this one thing, this one time. The picture that you're painting just in our first meeting here is you've gone through a lot by putting it in containers, putting it in suitcases, putting handles on them and carrying them around. So when something hits you, it's not just the weight of that one thing. It's everything you've been carrying around. And I I don't care how much you've processed growing up in a cult and, and getting out of it. 
Oh, I ran away at 15. That's a chapter we'll definitely get into. You've had to do this almost all of your life. I will say that your life has been about containing, getting through, keeping it together. At some point, we'll get to things like, where was your childhood? Where was your joy? Where was your freedom? Where was not being contained, but just being open and having that be okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. I always try to bring humor into everything. But have you ever seen uh, Bruce Almighty? Oh, yeah. When he goes to open the drawer of files and it just goes (laughs) and like throws him all the way back. I'm at a point in my life where I want to, like you said, get to the bottom of all of this. I've had anxiety in some form my whole life. I bite and pick my nails incessantly, like a crazy person. I smoked two packs a day for 15 years. Now I have a vape and and I have that vape in my hand all day, every day, even if I'm not smoking it. So those things are, there's a cause. (laughs) There is, and I know this. I want to understand and I don't even know if just talking about it is going to help or you're going to be able to say, okay, well, maybe this ties into this or give me some insight into how much my childhood affected me as an adult. Cause there's a lot there reading books, listening to different therapists. Even when I had kids, I started doing a study just on how children's brains develop and what's important at the beginning. And at what point is this sort of locked in? And at what point is that sort of locked in? And I mean, that's a disaster (laughs) on my end, 100%. I don't know if I can be fixed, but I would like to at least have an understanding. Valid, informative, educated data is very important to me. And I'm good at saying, okay, I see this and I hear you and putting the two together. I just need more data. It is a lot. You have a file cabinet that we're opening that seems overwhelming and- yep. If you're going to be that Bruce Almighty, I will be your Morgan Freeman. You know? <laughs> um, there you go. Perfect. And we will, we will get through this, not just to figure out the data, but to look at what was emotionally going on for you, because that is part of how you were shaped and how you are still shaped and we can reshape. I'm very big on the neuroplasticity of the brain and that we can retrain it. We can rewire some of that. Yes. There are things we will be able to uncover and we will be able to control or not control or understand, heal from, process, and we will be able to manage your life. When I hear you say it's a lot. It's out here. (laughs) Well, what it is, is it's unmanageable. Mm -hmm. And to manage it the way you have is just packing it in another suitcase, putting another handle on it and carrying it with you. I know I'm tired of it. I really am. I don't know if I mentioned this too, but I'm extremely OCD, extremely always have been. And I think that's another control mechanism. So this has always been an issue for me. And it only sort of came to the fore once I had children because nothing can be perfect anymore. Whenever I have my family over or, or guests, I clean during the party 
And finally, one of my sisters said to me, you, you know, cleaning the whole time, we're all trying to hang out and have fun is actually quite stressful for the rest of us. And I was like, oh, wow. Like I never in a million years would have thought that me cleaning would be stressful. So when she told me that I had to make a mental effort, no cleaning, right? I'm not going to clean, but I have such anxiety the whole time. These are the things that at my age now I'm, I'm saying, okay, we got to get to the bottom of this because sure I can be quirky and weird, but I need to know how to not sit there the whole time going, you know, biting on my fingers because there's dishes on the table. (laughs) Absolutely. If we can think of it as it wasn't the act of you cleaning, it was what created the need for you to do that. There was a dis-ease and a discomfort about you. Yes. And that manifested by cleaning. Huh. Okay. So people might be seeing you cleaning, but what they're picking up on energetically is, oh, something's not right. Something's unsettled. I think there's probably more than you emotionally are able to realize right now. Intellectually, you are. There's more that is in that sort of disarray in your life. So I try and keep all that neat by physically cleaning instead of dealing with what's the mess that's up here. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I mean, how do you clean a closet? Pull everything out. Yes. Okay. But you've got some skeletons in there. Oh yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's check them out. And you've got wonderful clothes in there and a little tricycle you never got to ride. There's a lot (laughs) of stuff packed into that closet. Yep. And not all at once, because that would overwhelm us. We're not just going to pop the door open and let it like flood out. We're not going to open that file cabinet and get smacked by that (laughs) never-ending drawer of files. We're going to walk through it, not sprint through it. We'll walk through it. We can look at all those files if you want to. We can open all those files. Absolutely. What we can also do together is recognize, oh, there's some patterns here. Interesting. Oh, wait. This thing, this way that I've been, it will all start to make sense. And that disarray that's in your head, in your brain, that seems like all messed up and all chaotic will start to make sense and start to be more orderly. And that's the kind of comfort and containing that we can get to. And we will. Awesome. That's exciting for me. There are so many people who have a similar experience in that things feel like they're in disarray, that they're not okay, that I'm not okay. And they won't emotionally connect to that because it's that's too overwhelming. Mm-hmm. We can't emotionally connect to that. Mm-hmm. So we'll intellectualize it. We'll have our coping mechanisms. We'll pick our nails. We'll do whatever we need to do. And recognizing that we can start to make sense of it, unpack it, recategorize it, and have some agency and choice in how we choose to be. Breaking it down, I love my life, my home life. I have a wonderful boyfriend. I have two gorgeous, intelligent, amazing kids. I have a job that I love. I am actually a happy soul. It's the little ticks and the weird things, what I'm not necessarily happy about is my, I don't know, anxiety or 
OCD. I, I feel like there's this ball of stuff that I want gone. And now that I'm getting older, like you said, I am noticing patterns in my own behavior that I don't like, but it's not something I can just be like, oh, okay, I'm not doing that anymore. It's a part of me almost, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. At your very core, you are a happy person at your very core. Yeah. I don't think we've reached your very core in a long, long, long time. I think there's another core over that, that we're going to have to get to first. That is the core that is unsettled. I'm not okay. It's not okay. Nothing's okay. I'm not safe. This isn't safe. So in response to that core, you've become hypervigilant about making sure my kids are safe. I'm safe. I'm fine. It's cool. Yet you're not because it's that unsettled feeling. That's the picking the fingers. That's the making sure things are just so. There's an unsettledness about you at a core level. Underneath that is your true happy soul. I love that you said it that way. I want to let that happy soul have some room to breathe and open up. Me too. <laughs> yeah. You said it perfectly, but I want just to be who I am. I just want to be, <sighs> there's no word for that. <laughs> no, no. But what you did right before saying there's no word for that is the expression. It was that, that <gasps> exhale. Yes. Yes. That exhale. That's the word. <laughs> I mean, man, from what little you've told me about even being a kid and teenager, you haven't been able to exhale. Nope. <laughs> no. If anything, you've been breathing with like a snorkel. <laughs> you know, yes. Like a, <laughs> yes. That's a good analogy. I like that. Right? Yes. You can't take a deep breath. It just doesn't work. No. And in fact, I physically can't sometimes. That is just an awful feeling. <laughs> yeah. To have to actually physically move your body to inhale. I hate that. Yeah. And that's something that you've... You've had for a long time. We're not going to cure it like that. I know you know this. You're yeah. in for the process of this. We've got a lot to walk through. We, we do. <laughs> and we will. Could be Bruce Almighty popping that file cabinet. Yep. Fine. <laughs> I, I, I got your back. We'll find some patterns. We'll find the data. We'll get through it. But not just to get through it and move forward. You can't make me better right now. <laughs> We're going to do this in a very, at times, frustratingly slow pace, but that's how healing happens. It's gradual. I wish I could give you one sound bite and awesome, you're, you're cured. It's great. Everything's better. Yeah. No, it, it, it takes time to make lasting change. Yes. Love it. And we are with you once again. We are back. We sure are. Hello. Hello. It's been so long. 10 seconds, an hour. <laughs> New client. This is so exciting. Right. So exciting. I already love her. Yeah. I love first sessions. And for me, it's first couple sessions. It really is just getting a feel for each other and that's right. letting her talk. And, and there's so much information and so many things that I heard that I'm like, okay, file that away. Got that. We're, we're going to hit that at some point. 
I just loved how she started out with like saying she wished she could have therapy every day and that it's only after these sort of big events in her life that she had gone to therapy in the past. Right. I don't wish I could have therapy every day, but I'm glad somebody does. (laughs) Maybe if you were my therapist, I would feel that way. I get what she's saying in terms of no, of course. the two things that I think you're picking up on is for her, therapy has always been like a reaction or response to something that has happened in her life. Right. And she's looking at, I want to do it more preventatively and I want to dig around deeper into what's going on and, and what was happening and why I'm shaped this way and pretty cool that way. Right. But I, I think she's also like naturally, one of the first things she said was the only way to better yourself is, is to learn from whatever's around you. So she loves therapy in the sense of like learning what's around me inside me. Totally. Is really propelling her. Yeah. I love that. So I'm going to have to just like jump first to, she doesn't reveal it to us for a little bit into the session, but so she grew up in a cult. So as I've been listening to the sessions, taking some notes, thinking about it, processing it, I'm thinking I actually have seen a client before that was in a cult So I know from working with her that it's not all about being an occult at all. And at the same time, so many questions, so many Mm -hmm. thoughts, you know, I love to ask questions, but I definitely with my client just didn't even question it until it came up, how she provided the details, sort of like Sarah does in this, right? Right. But as I'm listening, I'm thinking, okay, so how much of me communicating with you and us breaking this down am I going to have a hard time separating the two things, right? Separating her being an occult and Uh the struggle she has as a human and not always connecting them. There were a few times where she said, I mean, I kind of think this has to do with, and I'm like, fuck, yes, it does. Right. Of course it does. And it's so normal for her. She's just thinking like, maybe it does. And every single thing in her life does not come back to how she was raised. I get that. And a lot of it does. Is this making sense that where I'm just sort of putting it out there ahead of time that I (laughs) myself want to find this balance? Yeah, you're going to be the armchair therapist here. Yes, that's going to happen. I mean, listening back to this session, certainly not when I was talking to her, but listening back to it, I could hear you kind of going, wait, 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 wait. Okay, then what happened? Wait, tell me about that. Wait, how do you not think that, you know, and that's, yeah, that's why, you know, I said it a minute ago, I'll say it again. This is just getting to know her. We haven't totally. found our rhythm yet. And I, yeah, I need to be patient in the room with her because there are some things that I can hear that she's saying where I go, yep, that's a big thing right there. But I'm just kind right. of listening to it, logging it going, okay, we'll, we'll get to that at some point. She's even said in the first several sessions you'll hear, and she says it in this one, like, yeah, we'll unpack that at some point. Yeah. We'll get to that at some point. Yeah. She knows she's like, uh, she's like, I'm throwing something big out here and don't like, we'll talk about that at some point. Cause it's important. Yeah. She knows. She and more that. than anything, yeah. what I could hear in this, in this first session was a lot of anxiety that, that go, go, go mentality and that she needs to just get this all out. Like, all right, let me let her tell her story. Like Drew spewing it out. Like Drew spewing it out. That's right. Like she needs to just get it all out. Like, and there's a lot to get out. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get into that you and I in a second, because we had a nice analogy for that. But the cult thing. Yeah, that is a big part of, of her. And I think it's, there's a distinction that it wasn't that she joined a cult. 
She didn't join a cult. No, no. She grew up in a cult. She was, yeah. it was her parents that joined the cult. And then she, she was along for that. And there's, there's a difference there. So it's not somebody that willfully went into it. It's interesting on our very first phone call before I started working with her, she mentioned growing up in a cult and she asked me if I had experience with that or if I knew about that. And she'd already done some therapy and some work on that. So she wasn't looking specifically for that. Totally. My mom happened to, in the earlier part of her career as a, as a psychotherapist, worked with a lot of people coming out of cults and was deprogramming them. That is crazy coincidental. It is crazy coincidental or very sane from crazy. <laughs> it, yes. It's the kind of thing where when I, when I was a teenager and I was reading like the stuff about the Manson family, I told you I was into cults. I was yeah. really intrigued by how that happened and what happened. And at the same time, I was reading the book Sybil, if you remember that book about mm -hmm. multiple personality disorder. And it was mm -hmm. super, super interesting to me. And that was the work that my mom did and the world that she was in at that time. And super fascinating. So I, I got to like be around that and learn a little bit of that. And then experiencing this with this client, it's super interesting because it really is going at her pace. Right. If she was coming out of a cult and saying, hey, uh, help me process the experience I just had. That's different. Yeah. And that was the same with the client I had already had worked on all that stuff. And at the mm -hmm. same time, it's basically impossible to take whatever it is, whatever issues we have, depression, anxiety, OCD, whatever it is, and talk about it in a bubble. And she said that I, you know, I have to give background. I have to give context. So I think that's what's happening. And I think in and of itself, she starts out saying she has 10 brothers and sisters, like in and of itself, I'm like, holy shit, what? Right. Like that is <laughs> right. take a lot of the stuff out of having been in a cult, but it's a lot. Yeah. And even her saying I had 10 siblings and she said things like, I'm a natural caretaker. I'm a fixer. Right. That means something just in a large family. Exactly. It means something extra when you think of she was in a cult, she got out of the cult. Protecting them, making sure they stayed alive. Exactly. So there's there's a lot there that we're going to be unpacking. Yeah. It's not even going to be a one unpack. This is going to be over time. If you want lasting change, I think I even said this to her, it happens over time. It takes time to make lasting change. You don't just do it in one shot. I know. I so wish. I found online this thing for these pills that can just make you change forever overnight. But when I Googled it, it was a scam, apparently. <laughs> just kidding. Aww. That didn't happen. <laughs> Is it made with snake oil? For sure. Good one. Right. Okay. So that all being said, now we'll start a little bit more. Okay. So she had a horrible divorce, like a three-year yeah. horrible divorce. He tried to get custody of the kids full time. He was abusive, violent. That's fucking horrible. And then I guess she said when it started towards the kids, that's when she was like, peace out. Which is very revealing. Again, it's not, I'm not going to dive into that because that wasn't the story. She's not there to process right. that abusive relationship or protecting any of that. But I hear that and I go, oh, interesting. Already I'm seeing and hearing you will take care of others. You can take it. You can abuse me and, and I'll take it and protect my kids. But as soon as it's directed towards them, nope, that's the line. Yeah, 100%. And, and you guys got into the, as she's talking about herself, she's sharing it more as a story. You said it was clinical, or I'm not sure how you said it. But 
I do that right, all the right. time. I think a lot of people do that because if every time we talked about our quote unquote story, we were feeling it completely and totally emotionally, it would be too hard to talk about it. Right. Right. So, but I think with her anxiety, she was really just going through it. I could hear her smiling and laughing at times when she was nervous, anxious, and yep. talking about really intense things. Exactly. Again, not uncommon. Not uncommon. And that's, I even pointed it out and called it because that's trauma response. I didn't want to process that trauma. She's done some of that. And you're right, Meredith, because that's, if you're recounting that story, and you're really diving into the emotion, you're going to feel that emotion. And the whole idea is, can you reprocess some of that stuff without re-traumatizing yourself? Right. And there's several schools of therapy that go through how to do that. And I'll bring my mom back into this. One of the first places she worked was a biofeedback institute where it was all about reprocessing trauma without re-traumatizing. And she had people hooked up to all these biofeedback machines monitoring all their different rates. So as you're talking to them, you could see how they're processing things and, and what's going on in their brains and their bodies. And it was super, super interesting. I, I can't tell you that as a, as a kid, I retained any of that, right. but it certainly made an impression, enough of an impression to connect it to what we're talking about now and go, yeah, even the book, The Body Holds the Score, all the things that we keep in our body, that our brains keep in our system and our unconscious, conscious system in our organs. The trauma response is huge. In order to keep moving forward, we compartmentalize it. And then when we're recounting a story, we're going to just tell it factually and just say, right. oh, here's what happened. And some people right. can do that in incredible detail. And yet they seem detached from it. And that's a coping mechanism and a trauma response. Totally. So she decides to come to therapy now with you because of this issue incident that happened with her kid, teenage kid, climbs out the window, sneaks out, goes and smoke <laughs> weed. Fine. Right. Not fine. Okay. Well, it's, it's interesting because the, the traumatic part for her wasn't that he snuck out to smoke weed. Right. It was with the, the ex-husband. Actually, it wasn't even that. She was oh. used to his reactions and he has big reactions. And that, that was, again, fine. And I can air quote fine. It was the panic attack that hit her after that. After the, the ex went from, I'm okay, uh, that's no big deal to, oh shit, you, we're, I'm going to take the kids away because you're incompetent. Yeah, you're an unfit mother. Right. But it was, and it wasn't, that's not uncharacteristic of her ex. The thing that really impacted her was, I'm having a panic attack. Whoa. I can't breathe. This doesn't happen to me. I can usually just get a handle on it and be fine and keep going forward. I'm not fine. Right. I mean, that, the precipitating event was, yes, the son snuck out, smoked weed. The son's dad, the ex, had pretty horrible reaction to it and took it out on my clients in terms of the legal stuff and threatening stuff. And right. Then the, then the panic attack. The panic attack started, yeah. And so, yeah, that was the whole thing. If it's me, you know what? I can handle it. It's fine. Abuse me, use me, whatever. I'm supporting everyone. It's fine. But it came at, I mean, ish. But when it comes to the kids, <laughs> right? What I mean is she can ha she could handle anything from her fucking right. abusive ex to growing up in a cult to whatever. But then it came to the possibility of, wait, he's trying to take my kids away. Then it was just like too much. And she said, feeling it in her body, the physical manifestation of it 
was so crippling that she's like, how am I going to take care of my kids essentially? Or I could barely stay at work. And then that's when she started talking about growing up in a cult. And he started talking about having a quote unquote, having a handle on it. And I was like, okay. And this whole analogy plays out forever and it's so good. But I think (laughs) she said, I grew up in a cult and I think she said, that's a whole other suitcase or you did. Right. And then you got, okay. So opening up the suitcases and start unpacking them and such a good analogy in that you talked about when she's contained, she can handle it. But when the containers open mm. and she's not contained, the, the panic starts. Yeah. And, and her recognition of that is great. That's why I jumped in and, and was like, yeah, you've got a handle on it. I don't want you to have a handle on it. Right. You can right now because this is our first session. And she was coming to me going, I don't want to. I, I want to unpack this stuff. I want to see what's in there. Right. I really have to work against her desire to move quickly through this. Right. And even what you were saying a little while ago, Marin, like, but I want to know this and I want to know that. Like, she's got a similar mentality. And it's, I even tried to get her to slow down and take a deep breath. And she she could barely do that. I think she like exhaled and she was like, oh, I don't even know how to do this. Like, right. But what you just did, that exhale, that's what we're talking about. Another analogy or metaphor, like saying it's, it's, it's like breathing with a snorkel. And she was like, oh, I love that. Right. Like, yeah. And that's sure you're taking a deep breath, but it's not really doing much for your system yet. Looking at what we do with the shape that we've got now, because whatever shaped you, shaped you. But this is the shape we have. We can reshape. We just need to honor that and find a way to open these compartments, look at them, look through them and, and do something that doesn't take away that protective mechanism that she has. Right. So many people are so hesitant to seek therapy or to open up to a therapist because they don't want to open the floodgates. And well, if I, if I open this, uh, I'm not sure that I'm going to close them up again. Or what happens when I'm open and I'm wrong? I'm like, well, you guys will get to see what happens because we will unpack some of these suitcases and not just put a handle on them and carry them around. Yeah. And she said, she's like, well, I'm here because I really want to collect some data. Right. <laughs> I started laughing. I was like, I'm sure you do. And also let's get into the emotions. Cause I was right. thinking like, mm-hmm, yep, I can relate to that. I would like the information, please. So you talked about like getting through it and, or versus through it and into it, like not just right now, but like the past and how it all coincides. Right. One of my favorite things that she said, hmm. oh my God, I was like, are you Doug? Her Bruce Almighty reference. <laughs> right? Oh my God. You guys, if you've never seen it at the very least, Google the Bruce Almighty reference with the file cabinet. We'll, we'll link that scene yes. in our notes. So good. <laughs> and then, then you said, well, if you're Bruce Almighty, I'll be your Morgan Freeman. I was like, Oh my God, that is so touching. And also, how the fuck did you remember that was Morgan Freeman in the movie? How did you not? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to have to watch it again. I think we've, we've demonstrated I've got a pretty decent memory. But what's funny is I mixed things. I said, if you're Bruce Almighty, I'm Morgan Freeman. I used Jim Carrey's character name and not Morgan Freeman's character name. Oh my God, that's so true. Right. And almost entirely because if you remember, Morgan Freeman was God. God, right? Yeah. <laughs> like I am nowhere near that. That's not at all what I was saying. If was, you're Bruce Almighty, I'm God. <laughs> right. It's more like 
I will be your guide. I will be like yeah. the, the, the yeah. reflection no. of your conscience. So funny. The reflection of your unconscious mind. Yeah. And I, I love that she, she used that analogy first. Like she said to I me, know. I don't know if you've ever seen Bruce Almighty and I'm just going, yep, that's my girl. I got you. I got you. We're, totally. we're in the right place. I know. I heard that. I was like, this is a, this is a click of a <laughs> client and therapist I've ever heard one. Right. Yeah. She, then she talks about her, how bad her anxiety is. She chews her nails and she smoked for a long time. Now she vapes. Talked right. about how she vapes, how she holds her vape all day, every day, even if she's not using it. Right. And then talked about, well, I don't know if I can be fixed. And you brought in the reshaping and the neuroplasticity of the brain. And I think people come in so often and they're like, well, do you think I can be fixed? I'm like, well, you're not broken. I get mm -hmm. that you feel broken. And if that's how you want to think about it, sure, bring it. When people feel broken like that, I like to use this analogy of picture a vase that's broken in a bunch of pieces. We can put those pieces back together. Yeah. Yes. That's your analogy. Totally. It is? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You were like, I love using the broken vase analogy. No, I never said that. Yeah, you did. Did I? It's on a freaking episode. We can go back. Oh my God. So yeah, and just reframing, even reshaping. And you talked about how things were unmanageable for her. And up until now, like unmanageable now, it has been manageable because the way she was managing it was just packing it into another suitcase. Right. And now it's becoming unmanageable because that's just no longer working for her anymore. Right. Yep. And she said something that I, I didn't want to outright challenge her on, but I wanted to show her a slightly different take on it. She said, I'm a happy person at the core. I'm happy. And yeah. I kind of went, eh, no, you know, and I had to be careful how I said it. And it was, yes, I think at the very core, you're a happy person. Yeah. I think there's a protective layer around that. And that's the one that just compartmentalizes, puts a handle on it, keeps going. And that one is the one that's wounded, the one that's scared, the one that's been through all this trauma, the one that yeah. feels all this stuff and doesn't want to feel and doesn't know how to do it. And if you can compartmentalize that one, then there's that third layer, which is a quote unquote core that we get to see, which is happy. And that's yeah. what, like you're telling me, I'm a happy person. And I'm going, well, yes and no. You're happy on the outside crack that layer open and there's going to be a lot of stuff that we need to process and deal with that. Once we get through that, then we'll get to the true happiness at the core center. Sure. And I, and as she was saying that, I was just thinking, I mean, so yeah, she said, I love my life. I love my work, my boyfriend, my kids, amazing. And the things that I don't like is she called it her ball of stuff that she wanted gone, which I liked and the patterns and her anxiety and OCD and the cleaning right. and Right. But I'm thinking, right. so, and when you're talking about at her core, at her very, very core underneath all this shit, she's happy. I'm thinking, well, I wonder if she's ever been able to truly experiencing that from day one growing up in the cult and all the shit that she's talked about that happens right. and has right. happened. So right. there is more than likely this inherent happy little girl that I think most people are born with at the core, for the most part, day one, you come out and how much of that she got to experience full time or here and there. And I'm sure she had glimpses and right. 
But I was thinking, okay, so like maybe you don't even know what happy is yet. Maybe you're going to be so excited, right, to really actually discover that, that it's going to blow your mind. Yep. And that's on my radar. And that has to come out at her pace. But it's something that I work with clients a lot who experience this, who get, we call it parentified, where somehow they take on the role of being a parent at an early age. And because of that, they they lose a sense and sometimes they actually do just lose of being a child and what that's like. Oh, yeah. And that's something that I think for her was was probably lost at a very, very early age through the cult, through her experiences and through taking care of siblings and and whatever that was. So there's there is a sense of of the little girl in her that's still there somewhere, but it's buried under all these layers that I cannot peel off off the bat like that because they're protective and necessary. Oh no, it's gonna take take quite a while for sure. Yeah. I like her. I like her a lot. I'm excited to see what comes next. Yeah, you will indeed. And you guys all will come on back next week. We'll have the next session and and you will hear the journey of Sarah as she heals and reshapes herself. Yay. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.